Right, good afternoon. Um, thank you for joining us again after this morning session with um, Andrew Monlake, which was excellent on mortgages. I am delighted to be joined by two exceptional agents in London and across the UK. So who would like to introduce themselves first? Not that you need any introduction, but who would like to go first? Go on, Charlie. <laughs> All right, then. The most important one first. <laughs> So uh, yeah, I'm Charlie Perjos from Anthony Pepe Estate Agents uh, in North London. Uh, we have uh, five offices in North London and on the borders of Hertfordshire. And uh, it's a pleasure to be here with another fantastic agent, my good friend, uh, Stephen Brown. Uh, you thought I was going to say you, <laughs> obviously. Yeah, uh, you had it all full there. Pleasure, pleasure to be here. And... Uh, have a chat with my good old friend Stephen and Asad, of course. No, I'm really grateful for you coming on, so thanks very much. Um, Asad, for people that don't know you, we have the pleasure of um, Vicky being on here, who was exceptional, um, shared loads of great stuff. So um, I'm sure you're going to share loads more amazing, inspirational stuff for two of you. Do you want me to introduce myself as well? Yes, please. Uh, I'm, I'm the Chief Executive of Location Location. Uh, we've got two offices now, uh, one in North London, South Newington, and another one in Thetford with Andrew Overman, which we've just opened this week. Amazing. And how's that started off? Really, really well, actually. He's, um, he's, uh, he's actually a bit of a celebrity in, in his part of, of, of the world. So um, great guys, same sort of culture as us um brilliant brilliant estate agent and yeah he's already already got his first sale under his belt yeah it's doing really well fantastic so i'm so excited uh, sarah edmonton's joining us thank you and i am looking very smart well i've got to dress up today it's royalty isn't it so um jacket twice in one day i'm in shock but thank you sarah very kind of you so um you two have gone into collaboration on um, land and new homes which i find fascinating because um, in my day as an estate agent if anybody asked me to collaborate with an agent it will be well stick two fingers up and tell them where to go so um, i find it fascinating that you're doing and we're starting to see it more and more and i know we were talking off air as well that you've been to see another exceptional agent um, in north london as well to learn and get better and improve. So just why did you decide to join forces? Um, and why did you decide to do it with Land and New Homes? So we we both decided to join the Land and New Homes network. Um, I think that was probably probably about a year ago now, I said, wasn't it? it must yeah. be about a year ago. Um, and we we obviously both had aspirations to grow our sort of land and new homes business within our agencies uh me and Assad have known each other for, for for a long time now for a while and you know we've got mutual respect for it for each other's businesses and uh we haven't uh, i think probably because we've both got uh, a different background so not really a, an estate agency background we don't have that you know everyone else is the enemy sort of mentality um well apart from the other agents in our areas obviously <laughs> yeah. I, th I think you know we could see beyond that we've met each other over the years we've respected each other we've got a similar sort of ethos in how we we sort of 
want to run our business um and you know we we've got a a big emphasis on our on our culture within our businesses as well um kevin um mentioned to us that maybe we should do something within the london area um and work together as as a as a sort of partnership um and i said well look, if i'm going to work with anyone um in london it would it would be assad um because i know him i trust him um you know we work in a similar way and i think it would it would benefit us and obviously the network you know the whole benefit of the network um you know it's very difficult start starting landing new homes on your own um because you want to be able to offer people land it's not just selling new homes and you could sell a new home but then someone else in the network might have a bit of land to offer this particular the person you're targeting up in manchester or somewhere else so the bigger our network the more powerful we are and, and, and you know we can offer more to prospective clients developers um house builders so that's that's you know we we knew each other from before we thought yep yeah, i could definitely work with assad we mm. had a chat about it it wasn't long we just we knew it could work um and that was it and the rest is history it is something we we actually talked about for a while before that wasn't it um yeah. we just never sort of could quite work out what we could do together i think i think the intention was always there to do something um mainly because i mean number one our businesses are very very similar our cultures are similar um and, and we share the same business ethos um it's just that this opportunity with kevin obviously came along he, he's the one who mentioned it and we thought yeah that's ideal actually why, why, why don't we do this and then take it from there um and it may not be the last one there, there, there may be other things in the future that yeah. we need to collaborate on yeah so and we kevin just joined us so welcome kevin and luke sinclair's just joined us so welcome both of you so um obviously kevin's a massive fan of new homes with his network land and new homes network um and luke obviously he's got big new homes um in leicester as well so sorry carry on um yeah i forgot what yeah, I kevin again did you hear that <laughs> big up kevin big, big up to kevin yeah no i mean we, we like like i said said yeah we were looking at doing something together we always speak in terms of what's going on with our businesses now you know what 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 issues do we have what we're doing to solve them so we're always looking to see how we can sort of help each other because we usually have the same issues you know and we and we have done over over lockdown we've spoken loads haven't we well, yeah. over this 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 period um and I think it is a good thing to sort of collaborate with other agents because you do learn. Um, you know, you usually have the same issues. And if you speak to someone who is not the enemy, you know, um, they're going to be willing to tell you what they've done, how they've overcome certain obstacles. And, you know, it's, it's always good to learn. And I think that's something that me and Assad have always done as businesses. We've always been sort of open to learning new things and improving our businesses so what do you do to to go and learn i know you're both property academy um, members and you've taken a lot and you've taken a lot from that um how's that how's that work because again that's another form of collaboration and you know for any agents watching here should they be part of a mastermind group um and what benefits would they get from being part of a mastermind group whether it's with Peter, whether it's myself, whether it's with Ian, agency mentors, whoever it's with. Yeah, definitely. 
I think when you look at businesses, everyone has a, probably exactly the same issues and the problems. Um, and as a, as a sort of principle in the business, it's 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 very very difficult to to talk to anyone within the business about certain issues. Um, and, and you want to always talk to your peers and, and get ideas. And what I found is since I joined the Property Academy and, and obviously uh, the group with yourself, Stephen, is that everyone has the same issues and, and you may learn one thing from from another agent that you could implement in your business that's worked really well for them um and and just sharing ideas i think that's the, probably the biggest value we get out of, of these mastermind groups is, is sharing ideas and things that have worked well things that haven't worked so well um yeah that's that's i think the biggest sort of benefit of a mastermind so you two are great and it's great going to mastermind and learning and, and i agree you know i belong to this dish for 12 years and it totally changed my life and you know if you've got issues and you can just um bounce them off people sometimes you listens and sometimes you don't but i used to come back and drive david pollock absolutely mad with ideas and suggestions and and off and and all of that um again you know we've got nigel risner who just joined us thank you nigel and kiri hi to you um we're talking with nigel he was on last week with neil talking about implementation and account accountability so you two guys you go along and you implement stuff you know what's your secret of getting it done how can people watching this um just go out and do what you guys have done um you know and be the successful brands that you are you know whether you're in highbury harringay palmer's green stoke newington fetford i've got to be careful now to get them all right cop fosters and then and, and and everywhere else hi george thanks for joining us I think implementation is is probably the key to being successful because you can you can learn or you can listen to people and and learn and take it all in and have all these fantastic ideas, but unless you actually implement it, uh, then it's it's not going to magically uh, transform your business just by you learning it. You have to implement it within your business, and you have to. Um, your people have to buy into it as well. So it's about how you sort of deliver your ideas as well. That's sort of just just as important. Sometimes just implementing it and not discussing it with your uh, with your team uh, is is not good enough. You know, you you need them to buy into it. And um, I think you know, for us, you know, I've, for me, Property Academy has been fantastic. Working with you, Stephen's been fantastic. Um, you know. It, it's not done enough, I think, in the industry, and that's you know something that I've been saying for a long time. Uh, I don't think people em em you know emphasize uh, training enough. I think you need to be looking at growing your businesses and learning new things. We can't just be stuck in in the eighties of how a state agency is. is a state agency is evolving all the time, and you have to be willing to to listen and learn uh, new things to be able to be successful otherwise if you're if you don't do that you're going to be left behind um i think it's really really important and for me you know when i when i go to uh, exactly like asad said you know we all have the same problems but sometimes even more so i'll go to a property academy meeting or listen to someone and it, it gets your, your 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 mind thinking and i'll actually think of something totally different another idea because I've been inspired by what I've just heard so it gets your sort of juices flowing I don't know if that's the right word uh, analogy to use but <laughs> I'll use it anyway 
No, I think one of the other things you you can come back with ten pages of notes from from any particular yeah. meeting or training. But what I do, what we do as a team, is is I pick one and just implement that because you can come back and go, oh, let's do this, let's do this, and and none of it gets done. Um, so, so sometimes it's just good to maybe just pick one of the things that you think is going to add the most value to your business at that particular time and just do that one and then look to do something else as opposed to trying to do three, four, five, six different things at the same time. It just You never get around to doing any of them. And, and, and sometimes the mistake that you're, you know, the mistake we've made in the past is actually trying to implement too much all at once um you know we've been a victim of that definitely you know you come back you have all these fantastic ideas but you can't just totally change the business overnight it has to be small steps that are manageable by your team otherwise you're you just create chaos and instead of making those you know that taking that one step forward you're probably sometimes taking two steps back instead of the other way around so you've got to be careful um you've got to think, right, what's the most important thing? What's going to make the most difference to my business now? And just run with that. Don't try and do too much at once. That would be my advice, to be honest with you. Okay, so Nigel summed it up. Where the attention goes, energy flows. Only work on number one. That's exactly right, yeah. Um, you've touched both on people, okay? And I know you've got incredible people in your business um, and you've both got incredible cultures. I think there's a common theme, somebody called Ian White, 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 who's um, who's been involved um, with both of your businesses and has done an incredible job. Um, and we were discussing offline about people and we were discussing um, one particular business where only felt his team had gone as far as he can. So how do you both go and get the right people in the right seats for your business? Charlie, it's not easy. Um, I, I think for any business, if you ask them what's their biggest challenge, it's, it's always going to be the people. Um, and, and I think over the years, we've all made the same mistakes when it comes to people. Um, but I think you have to be extremely picky as to who you get on board the bus in the first place. And that's what I've learned. So we make it extremely difficult to work for location, location now. We set our standards very, very high. Um, and what we found is when you, when you start with really, really good people, um, everything else is so much easier. You have to have less controls in place, less sort of um, checks and balances in place because it, it's a bit like um, uh, Netflix, for instance. They, their people manage themselves because they have such great people. And, and that's really the vision for our business is to have phenomenal people who on the whole manage themselves. They don't have to be constantly kicked up the bum and, and checked upon and are they doing the right things? They just do the right things all the time. Um, not easy, um, no. but it is obviously what we're aspiring to, to get to as a business. Yeah. I think if you've, if you've got the right people and you empower them to 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 do the right things then it becomes a lot easier otherwise you 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 know you're micromanaging and you need too many processes in place and it's it becomes an impossible task and not an enjoyable task to be honest um and you know we've made those mistakes before we've 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 
had situations where we've had to sort of overmanage people. Um, but like Asad said, when you get the right people on the bus, it's a lot easier and, and you can trust them and let them grow and let them grow the business. And uh, don't be afraid to get people that, you know, um, don't be afraid to let people give people responsibilities and let them grow the business. You don't always have to sort of be on top of them every step of the way. Um, as long as you, they know what your, what your objectives are and you, you know, you both know what you're trying to achieve, then you've got to give them a little bit of um, sort of clear run to, to do that themselves. Otherwise, if you're, um, if you're sort of um, too on top of someone, then they, they won't reach their potential, I think. Where do you know? So, as you said, you know, when I used to go to um, Vistage, the biggest challenge was you talk every every month would be the same thing: people, people. You know, where where would you go and find? I mean, how do you hire these great people? You know, Nigel said hire nice people, train them. Don't hire muppets, technical term. But where do you find these? Um, where can you go and find these people? Are you recruiting from inside the industry? Or are you looking outside the industry to get these people? Personally, we're looking everywhere, to be honest. I mean, some of the best people we've got have been from outside the industry and we've and we've trained them. Um, and, you know, they've they've been molded into what what we want. And, you know, the number one we, we number one thing we attribute we look for, and I'm sure it's the same facade, are people that are coachable. Um, you know, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for people that are coachable. Um, we don't want people that are going to come in and think they know everything and there's nothing else to learn and they are, you know, they're the bees knees. We want people to, to be open to learn and improve. So there are, you know, I'm, I am open to people within the industry as well because there's people that might be working for the wrong company where they haven't achieved um, or fulfilled their full potential. And we have had good people from that have come uh, from other companies or relocated you know there might be someone that's worked in Leicester and relocating for a certain reason to London and you know we're fortunate that sometimes people approach us and they say you know we've seen you we'd like to put our CV forward to you um, but again it's probably um, if you're looking at percentages it's probably easier to find someone um, from outside the industry but then again it depends what role you're looking for as well um and it depends uh, you know it depends how sort of desperate you are you don't want to be in a situation where you you want to be you're desperate and you're looking to recruit you don't want to be reactive you want to be proactive if you're proactive then you can hire people from outside the industry um, but we're open-minded we look at you know we work with recruitment agents um we want the staff to recommend you know we do we try and attract people through social media uh, every every medium we don't sort of um uh, cut off any sort of angle of opportunity for ourselves okay that said yeah i think i think always be recruiting that's what i've learned because because good people are so hard to find what what you don't want to do is is have a situation where you have to recruit yeah uh, and if the person's good enough, then they'll add value to your business. So, so it's not you can create you can create a role, and 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 they'll they'll obviously uh, work out for you. But that's one of the mistakes we made in the past, where we lost someone, and then we had to quickly recruit. Um, now we're we're always recruiting. So, 
we may see, I don't know, 100 CVs and, 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 and not go with any of them. Um, but you have to, I feel, constantly be looking for good people. Yeah, be proactive, not reactive in recruitment, definitely. Uh, yeah, especially now. We have the same thing at Green & Co. So we always had a continuous recruitment policy. We would always, you know, get people in. If somebody was good enough, we would find a desk for them or they would just walk, or they would just walk round um, until we found a desk for them. Um, but, you know, you're right. It, I think it is important. And if you look at, you know, I know we were talking football earlier and about um, you want to be, um, I don't know, where you want to be, Champions League now or winning the, winning the Premiership. You know, they're constantly improving their players and getting players in there to keep them at the levels that they need to be. And likewise, um, agents need to be doing exactly the same thing. Do you have a, an interview process, both of you, that work that works for you, um, you know, before rather than see? Because I can imagine at the moment there's a lot of people out looking. And in fact, big shout out to Kevin Ellis. Somebody reached out to me on um, LinkedIn yesterday. And this is what I like about collaborating and, and helping. Um, and just said to me, I'm looking to try and get into the new homes market. Uh, I introduced um, this this lady to Kevin and incredibly grateful. He's recommended loads of people. So um, thank you, Kevin. Really kind of you um, to do that. But what you know, what do you do? What's your recruitment process? How's it work? How many times do you see them? Or if you like somebody, do they start the next day with you? Is it that gut gut feel? No, no. You've got to be. You've got to be. I think you've got to be cautious always. Um, and it's almost like we're, we're, you know, I mean, we would typically do two or three interviews, um, three um, when we can, um, and it would be I would be in one of the in one of the interviews at least. Um, our head of operations would be in one of them, and we'd have someone from the team um, that they were going to be working with in the interview as well um i mean obviously with zoom um interviews at the moment it's quite good because you can record them so there's been a lot of times when i've i've just had a recording sent to me um and you can almost um you know rule people out or 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 in through the through initial zoom meetings um we always try to make the interviews different and i, I was saying to asad before i mean it's the most difficult thing in the world because someone can perform really well in an interview, but we try and sort of surprise them sometimes with certain questions that how they, and we ask them questions along the lines of how they would react in a certain situation, just to see um, how, how they would react in, in under pressure or if, especially if something went against them, not their way and see how they would react in, in those kind of situations because that's when you can see sort of a true personality. And and you've got to make them relax and get their personality out sometimes, don't you? And it's a bit harder with Zoom, to be honest. But, um, you know, we've, we've, we've found it okay now. We've, re we've recruited through Zoom interviews. Um, I don't think it makes it any harder, but I think you've got to be patient. You can't just be, you can't just listen to the recruiters and say, oh, they've got like three offers, you've got to offer. No, if they want to, if they're the right person, that they will work for Anthony Pepe or location, location. They'll be patient. They'll know that, you know, we want people to want to work for us, first of all. Um, 
So don't be don't be rushed by the the recruiters um, saying you've got an offer. They've got you know, some they've got five offers or three interviews tomorrow. I think you've got to stick to your processes um, because if you don't stick to your processes, that's where you can make mistakes. Do you agree, Asad? I think that's a yeah. We we have. I still like to see everyone in person. Um, I, I just don't feel comfortable. Um, recruiting over Zoom, um, others may. Um, I, I actually want to meet that person, um, socially distanced, obviously. Um, but we have a sort of a stage. So we have the first one that we ask them to send a video in um, of, of questions that we've sort of pre-asked. Um, and then it will be a Zoom, and then it will be one to two face-to-face -face as well. Um, I'll be in most of those interviews alongside Vicky and then the last interview is with, with the team members. Um, so if it's sales, then a couple of the sales team or lettings or a couple of the lettings team. They also do a psychometric test, personality profile as well. Um, that's stage three. Um, and that also gives us a sort of detailed insight into their into their personality as well. Um, Which is that? It's out of interest. Which, uh... It's a company called McQuaig. It, it's oh, yeah, you, yeah, scarily accurate. I've done one for myself. Yeah, scarily accurate. About a thirty-five page report. Yeah. Wow. And and it's extreme. It's yeah. I mean, it's quite it's quite costly. It costs about sixty seventy pound per report. But I'd rather pay that than get the wrong person. Yeah, well worth it. Yeah. Yeah, so it's well worth it. Okay, brilliant. So thanks for sharing those. Training wise, you touched on it before. So, you know, obviously you go and um, both to the Property Academy and you're with like-minded people. What training are you doing with your, your colleagues and, and how frequently? Uh, we have weekly sessions in-house. In um, Vicky leads most of those. Um, and then we also have a quarterly session where the team actually pick a theme and train everybody else. Okay. Um, all new recruits have a, a a an onboarding process. Stephen, you're part of that as well. Um, so Thank you. Stephen gets to train uh, a lot of the new recruits as well. Um, so yeah, the, the training's ongoing. Ian, Ian White comes in um, or was coming in once a month um, as well. So yeah, it's it's an ongoing program for the uh, training training program. And do you set that at the start of every year? So, you know, like having a marketing, this is what we're going to do for marketing this year. This is what we're going to do to trade for training. And you've got a training budget. Not specifically a training budget. It is what it is. It, whatever it costs. Yeah, we, we don't sort of set a budget and really stick to it. Um, the, the, the training sessions are planned out quarterly. So, so we plan plan out that quarter training sessions, and then we review it at the end of that quarter and see what worked, what didn't work, and then 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 go again. Okay. So again, you're always refine, re I suppose, refining things, and and the same with systems and processes. Yeah. You know what can you do to be better all the time? Which Absolutely. See why you're both world class agents. Yeah, we have, we have a similar process to, to Assad, obviously, and use yourself and Ian. So we've always got someone coming in externally every month at least. Um, but I, I do think you have to have a certain amount of 
flexibility uh, because the market changes. So it may need you may need a certain amount of training in something else at a certain point. Um, you know, if we're struggling to get properties on um, and we need to hone in on our prospecting, you know, Stephen's the man. We'll bring in Stephen to um, get everyone brushed up on their on their prospecting. Um, and you know, sometimes when we've got new recruits, um, we might we might get them to speak to Julian O'Dell as well. We do again coaching with Ian White, um, sort of the mentoring with Ian White as well with us. And we've got, um, I mean, we've got a thick sort of booklet that we've created basically of sort of how to be how to a how to guide at Anthony Pepe. And so all our processes, and we go through that. The first thing that that anyone does when they start Anthony Pepe is that is they read this um I'll call it our protocol document, but really it's a Bible of excellence. It is a yeah, a Bible of excellence. We've got to think of a better word for it to be honest. Yeah. Bible of excellence is not bad. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So I just want to come back to collaboration because that's where we were meant to start and talk about at the start and we've really gone off off, off piece. So how how do you think agents can start collaborating a lot more? Do you think agents can collaborate a lot more or do you just think really this is going to be a one-off? I know there's loads of Facebook groups out there um, where starting to see agents helping other agents up and down the country, which I think is amazing. And I wish I had that when I was at Green & Co to bounce so many ideas. So I think collaboration is fantastic and, you know, helping people. And then, you know, the two of you are joining forces. Can you see it happening a lot more? Or do you think it's there's a lot of people are far too short-sighted to think, well, you know, oh, it's my, you know I'm not going to help them down the road. Why should I? I think it, no, I think, I think it will happen a lot more. I think the difference is with sort of 10, 15 years ago, you probably only knew the agent just down the road. You didn't know, um, you know, through the power of social media, Facebook, um, you know, all these networking groups that we're on, you do get to know agents across the country. I mean, I know so many agents now all throughout the UK. Um, well, that's you're famous. Chris Watkins just interviewed you, hey? We all know about you being an accountant. We're not sure whether you were married to your wife before or after, but apart from that, we were right. <laughs> it was just after, I think, yeah. Um, my wife reminded me. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, I mean, even with, with Twitter. So, when you know, I got on Twitter years ago and I met so many uh, agents through Twitter and, and, and collaborated in certain ways um, through that medium. And I think now, because of the technology we have and the social media, it is easier to collaborate. But I always think it's going to be the good agents and the ones that are open-minded that are going to do that anyway. Um, so the, the person who doesn't want to do that and has that mindset of, you know, it's them and us and so everyone else they're never going to collaborate but i think you can you can learn from people you know and i think you can work together i don't think um and i think a state agency as a whole would would improve and be in a better place if there was more collaboration definitely i mean we went and, and we touched on it before but me and assad went and uh spoke to um paramount so yeah, we spoke Spencer, friend of the show, show, he's very good. Fantastic agent, and we learned a lot from that. Just that meeting, you know. Um, so I think you should 
you should speak to other agents you should reach out and be part of a group or even whether it's just on social media network you know i think it's you've always got something to learn it's very important i think think stops people then going and say picking up the phone to you guys and 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 having a conversation because i know you know you're very you know amenable to to conversations or i hope you are otherwise i'm putting words in your mouth but there's some people you know it's great that you went to spencer and you had that conversation other people will be intimidated by thinking oh i'm not going to pick up the phone to spencer and they have this fixed mindset um how you know again if you're watching this and there's going to be people watching this that are afraid to ask um you know what advice would you to how can they go from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset i think it's very, very difficult to go from a fixed to a growth um how do you ask you just ask i think what's the worst that can happen they'll say no um doesn't doesn't cost you anything um but unless unless you ask you don't get um and i think i think with collaboration and, and learning from other people um for instance i'll give you an example um andrew overman who's who's just started a location location branch in thetford um we actually agreed everything and i've never even met him in person um the, the first the first uh, time we met was on the ea podcast as in virtually um and everything else was agreed virtually and and then we met afterwards i thought you liked to meet people face to face <laughs> i thought you liked to meet people face to face yeah but i think i think with with andy because because it was very very apparent from from very early on that we shared similar values um and no andy he's a he's a celebrity as well in, uh, is, in yeah and, and obviously i spoke to other people about him Steve, stephen brown who I, I trust implicitly um to, to get their opinions as well and, and everyone had great great things to say about him so for me it's a no-brainer he uh, phoned me up just to check if you were all right so he's, he's a top bloke don't worry thank you completely the crap team but you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you never know you never know you just you just need to ask the question really and and something come of that yeah i'm you know i'm sure assad as well i'm I'm happy to speak to anybody who wants to uh you know to pick up the phone and give us a call um i'm happy to sort of share my mistakes mainly that we've made over the years discoveries they're discoveries no longer mistakes discoveries thank you that's very kind kevin's just put on here too many agents have a hungry hippo syndrome and yet so much more to be won by working collaboratively you know and that's what the land and new home network has done and done very very well so that's what kevin's done is fantastic and i think this in this country that is the culture isn't it to not work with other agents whereas in other countries you know they have sort of multi-listing platforms agents are more used to working together uh, collaboratively and you know may, maybe that will happen in the future you know maybe there will be a, a, a it will change and you know the system has to change conveyancing has to change the whole process of buying property has to change probably for that to uh happen and evolve but you know that probably is the future um and especially now with um more people uh sort of collaborating in a in um um in a sort of partnership way 
Um, so self-employed models and stuff like that. I think that that will help speed that up, to be honest. And don't be afraid of your competition finding out what you do. I don't, I don't really care because it's, it's one thing knowing what someone does. It's another thing doing it. And, and this is where most people come unstuck is, is they're not actually prepared to, to, to do the work as in, as in the competition. So I'm quite happy for them to know how we do it and what we do. It's just, it's just I, I know most of them won't do it. So it doesn't really matter, does it? No, 100%. The right people to implement it as well. That's yeah, the other exactly. thing. 100%. Here's a question for you. So how did Charlie find it expanding out to multiple offices? Would he do it again or would you stick to less offices covering a bigger area? Yes. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yes. We, we, if I could do it again, um, I would probably just stick to less offices expand bigger areas have more sort of people looking at different areas uh, rather than just thinking right i've got to open an office in that area because for me uh, right now an office is a billboard um you know it can help you especially if you've got a very prominent office uh, but it is effectively a billboard you know at the moment all our offices are shut um you know we don't all the, the doors shut and we're just working as offices basically no one comes in um and you know we're not even taking appointments we're just doing viewings and valuations doesn't make a difference to our business at all but we've got prominent shop fronts that obviously help people see them um so there is value in in having offices but if i was to do it again um i would probably um i would do it differently um i would definitely look at the hub model or, or a, a cross in between and that's what we're doing now we've got great offices and we wouldn't get rid of those offices because they're in prominent positions and everyone knows us. But because they do know us, we can now implement the hub model as well. Uh, I'm not sure, though, if we just did the hub model to start off with, if it would have been successful, because it might have been more difficult for people to get to know our brand without our prominent shop fronts that we have. Um, so there's there's no perfect solution, Stephen, I don't think, to it. But... Um, I think sometimes the mistake that we made is we spread ourselves too thin, too quickly, and and you're trying to battle in different areas all the time, and your focus is not you're not focused on one area um, to dominate one area, and you, you know you need to get to a certain point of market share for it to to work sometimes, uh, especially when you've got an office or an area. Um, and right now, though, we're not limited to to two areas we can operate anywhere and we're going down more of a you know we, we we're a north london agent but we're expanding into hertfordshire um so we, we're not limited by offices i think that's what an office does it just limits it limits you in terms of where you can operate if you if you look at spencer's business paramount they're they're one office and they cover most of london 40 yeah. percent of their instructions are outside their immediate patch so it can be done absolutely and, and i think i think the beauty of having everything in one place is that it's it's much easier to maintain the culture um and Charlie, right. right there there are benefits to to both um but what we found is 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 like ian white says is, is squeeze the lemon where you are first um i think i think being in a rush to open lots of offices thinking you're going to earn 
twice or three or four times the the, the income I, I don't think it happens i think i think if you squeeze the lemon where you are first get get the most out of the area um then look to expand from there yeah but, and, and technology allows you to do that now because obviously it's, you're a digital we're all digital agencies in effect you know we're marketing ourselves online so we're not limited by people walking into our offices no one walks in anymore um, you know, it's everything's online. All our interactions are online, and you know we can have a phone line anywhere. To be honest, you know, it, can, it doesn't really matter. We're not limited by that. So that's helped us. And if you go back twenty years, and obviously you probably did need to be uh, did need to have an office to expand, but you know things change quickly. And and as Asad said, it's it is easier to keep your culture um, strong within one location um you know it does dilute as you have multiple locations you know we had issues with our property management um when they were spread over different locations and then we moved them to one location and then it, it you know we was we learned a lot the one thing i came away from um from spencer was how do you um not isolate teams you know because if you if you've got them in different locations sometimes they feel isolated even with us with property management we had everyone in one place eventually but then they felt detached from the rest of the team and um you know a good tip that um uh that spencer said was he, he doesn't even have the property management team sitting by themselves he mixes everyone up even within one office so they all feel as one because it's you're, you're one company you shouldn't be sales lettings property management let alone sales and you know property management and lettings it's lettings is lettings you're one you're one department but that you're one you've got to work together um so there's first of all it's got to be collaboration within your actual company first as well that's important and i think that you know a lot of companies make that mistake they separate everything um and, and i don't think that's helpful um to squeezing the lemon basically because there's a lot more business you can do um with each other within the business being collaborative within departments spot on there's so many cross-selling opportunities that are being missed day in day out that yeah. actually if you squeeze the lemons with those um you know rather than going out for looking for new business you've got it sat there it's all in your customer base um, yeah it's, it's making sure that your teams are fully aware and you're right actually that's a really good point about are you collaborate are you all your teams collaborating you know letting sales because everybody should be one because there are so many opportunities in all those different departments collaborating for each other so rob hopefully let us know does that answer your question andy overman thanks very much for joining us good afternoon to you um, we've already been singing your praises. We're not going to sing them twice in one um, in one afternoon. So um, final question, because I'm really grateful of your time. So thank you both. Asad, I know you've got a library of books, um, most probably to your left or right, whichever way. Yeah, that way. Um, top three books you've ever come across. Charlie, mm. I'm, I'm buying your time here, all right? <laughs> hey, well um best book best best three books uh so seven habits of highly effective people would would be one got my <laughs> uh principles would be another one by ray dalio um which is a phenomenal book 
I've just finished reading The Ride of a Lifetime by Robert uh, Iger. Yeah, which is Disney the chief executive. Sorry? The, the, the Disney head. chief executive. Yeah, I'd highly recommend that one as well. Yeah, that was a, that's an exceptional read. Yeah. Hey, Charlie, have you had long enough yet? <laughs> Harry Potter. And <laughs> <laughs> Arthur Wenger, my story. <laughs> Stephen Covey, uh, definitely. You've got to read that. I think that's probably probably number one. Um, uh, the 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 chimp, um, the chimp. What's that? That's that's uh, paradox. The chimp paradox. That's it. I think that's quite good because that 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 sort of makes you think about how you react to certain situations. Um, and the, the one you recommended to me, I said, Attraction, that was good as well. That was yeah. a good book. Yeah, absolutely. There's um, loads. There's so many. Um, I know. I'm going to have to get you to take a picture of your library so we can decide. Oh, yeah, I've got it at home, actually. Yeah. I should have it at home. I've got the library behind me, and I could have just seen. And, uh, <laughs> a bit of it. <laughs> been able yeah. to tell you. But, um, there's 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 so many you should be you should always be reading and and sort of um learning i think but um at the same time um don't always only read self-help books you know and development books try and read something a little Oz, bit longer okay trying to yeah, say it's a bit disappointing to be honest he didn't really say much um uh, <laughs> At least yeah. he won trophies, Charlie. At least he won trophies. Uh, we said we weren't going to talk about football, Stephen. You promised me. Come on. Well, I'm not talking about it. You've won trophies. We've won nothing. So you're all right. You two are fine. You two are laughing. I'm the one who's crying. What's a trophy? True. True. <laughs> anyway, thank you both so much for your time. Really grateful. Um, thank you all for watching, whether you're watching now, whether you're watching on replay, whether you're listening to it as a podcast, which you can now watch or listen to on Spotify, on iTunes, on Google Podcasts and loads of other places. Thanks very much. On Thursday at half past 12, we're going to be joined by Tim Coulter, who's going to be talking about BJ Falk um, and human behaviour and behaviour design and tiny habits. It's going to be really interesting. Um, so please join me then at half past 12 and have a great Tuesday afternoon. And thanks very much, Charlie and Asa, for being wonderful guests. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Take care.